0: all right just for levels uh what did you guys eat for breakfast
1: uh i ate yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was tap an hour and now no we ate eggs delicious eggs awesome thank you i made them i made them did you i put cheese on them
0: you are listening to the music on your own terms podcast Business business Instant Instant Minds Instant Minds Instant Encouragement Encouragement Constant Improvement Analysis Constant. Analysis. Analys. Digital. analysis Digital Analysis Musician. Musician Musician Four. Four. Ten. Four. Ten. Four. Ten. Recommendation Recommendation Recommend ت- promotion. promotion Entrepreneurship Live Show Live Show Music Live Show Tour Streaming. street
2: overcoming so then
0: that accomplishments
2: deal is
0: an oh, anxiety. Anxiety. Accomplishness. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in Episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast by signing up to the mailing list at MusicOnYourOwnTerms.com. There you'll find show notes to every episode and links to other resources. Welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. For episode 40, I caught up with the incredible jazz fusion band Marbin at the Guitar Sanctuary in McKinney, Texas before their show. We hear from Danny and Danny about the difficulty of being a fusion band in today's jazz climate, the importance of sacrifice in order not to only be the best musician you can, but also to work on building an audience through constant touring. We hear how the guys operate the business side of the band, an important lesson about splitting responsibilities, how they approach writing music with the other members, and bass player John gives his perspective on being a hired musician in this arrangement. Now, there are more great anecdotes and wisdom than I can fit in my introduction, so make sure you listen to the whole interview. These guys are not only amazing musicians, but they are extremely savvy when it comes to the business of gaining fans and navigating the gigging circuit. Please welcome Marvin. Welcome to the Music On Your Own Terms podcast. I'm here today with the... uh, at the Guitar Sanctuary in McKinney, Texas with the guys from Marvin. I've got uh, Danny Markovich and Denny Rabin. That's right. How you guys doing? Great. You, good, you're, yeah?
1: you, you neglected to mention you're at the bridal suite. Indeed. Yeah, aka the green room. The green room, right? which, which is not like, green. Yeah, it looks like a bridal suite. There's Excellent. pictures of brides, not of fusion it's good legends. Yeah. And we For got the bride, bass player, John, in the bride.
0: background. How are we doing?
1: John's eating Hello. a salad.
0: Excellent. All right, so uh, if you could just give a quick, brief history of the band.
1: Sure. Uh, me and Danny met in two thousand seven. We moved to the U.S. in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. For a few years, we were hanging out in Chicago. That's where we made our first album. Two well, albums, two albums. Really. and uh, then we started uh, going, you know, touring, being on the road full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in uh, two
3: thousand eleven. Only weekends, but we played every weekend. So we did like at least Friday, Saturday, sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but every weekend. And then in uh, 2012, we started doing long tours like a month, like over a month.
1: Yeah, and uh, we've been doing it full time, making records, you know. I've eight out. Second? Yeah, we have out. eight out. Our eighth album, Strong Thing, just came out. And yeah, it's been growing and uh, a lot is. Happened, but that's the briefest history I can give awesome. people who don't know us at all.
0: Um, so just just briefly, what what would you describe your music as? <coughs> jazz fusion. Jazz fusion. Uh, yeah, we for
1: a while we called it jazz rock because people were pretty allergic to the word fusion. But then we stopped caring once we yep. became more popular.
3: Sorry, I just changed it again. It's four guys with play fast and hit hard. I think the uh,
1: guitar drums bass and Danny saxophone.
3: Yeah, I think that's the description that they give.
1: Yeah, you know. With. But at the end of the day, you know, we just uh, write songs mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. them. <laughs> Tread on them. Yeah, just just play the way, play the best we can on Which the songs is, we write.
0: Yeah, you're incredible musicians. Thank you. Thank um, you. Um, but you're both from Israel, but yeah. you were born in yeah. California.
1: Uh, they moved me when I was like two weeks old.
0: Hey, Ev. Okay, we're we're doing like a podcast here, so. That,
1: that but, but our drummer practices a lot so that's let, okay music related let, it's let the it? podcast know that that was Everett attempting to practice so. attempting <laughs> <laughs> Or we
0: blocked them. Um, but you went so you went to Berkeley I did did you complete I, I, I did it exactly. I'm the
1: only one in history that graduated <sighs> <sighs> yes but Danny didn't go to school and we get paid the same so I don't there know what go. to say about that
0: indicative of musicians, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, but it's better not to go to school, maybe, if I to say about that. Well, maybe he's writing the coattails of
0: my education. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> um, so, where did you gain? You, you seem to be, like, really, gr- you know, grassroots DIY musicians. Where did you gain your business knowledge from?
1: From not having an option.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, thinking a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Not, you know, some, some common sense, mm-hmm. I would say. We had no. There was no machine. There, there is no machine for fusion mm-hmm. anymore. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do. If you go and look out the managers for the biggest names, you'll end up with two names, maybe four names. If you include like Matheny's guy mm-hmm. and you know DiMaggio's guy. Um, yeah, but most people don't really, they,
3: they don't really develop artists, we're they out of touch of how things really work right now. Yeah, sure. know, We know how to, you know, we have people that got famous when getting famous was uh, a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Like, getting famous and monetizing it was a little bit easier and we just keep doing what we did, which is playing the same venues, dealing with the same people, and, uh, and it's just not, it doesn't work with for generation. Mm. Unfortunately, there, yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, because we don't need anybody to let us in; we let ourselves in.
1: Yeah. So that's uh, the encouraging thing about music, is that, or music today. I mean, in twenty twenty, is that at the end of the day, you can show up, sell tickets, sell merch, and get the money. Mm-hmm. Right, and there are a lot of things that are possible now. For, when we first started touring, the world was completely different in the sense that we used GPS, mm-hmm. you know, not an iPhone, yeah. right. you know, like yeah. an actual unit. And a generation before that used a map, mm-hmm. and, a and before that, you had to call hotels on the you had to know well, where the, things are. The
3: main thing is that there are still gatekeepers to any style of music, so even in jazz, you know, you got downbeat and jazz times when you have some you know some big festivals and you have like one and a half agency that still somehow make make or make a you know half a cent so you do have all those, and you know blue note and was few record labels so you do have those gatekeepers but you know but the role in music is getting smaller and smaller and now with the internet uh again with how uh, everything is so accessible, like not just online, but you know, in real life, like it's easy to go to a different place, you can skip the gatekeepers and go to the people. So either you have something that the people at the gate really like, so if you, are like, really good looking, or you do something that's really current and of the times, and you're really connected, I don't know, you have like a somehow, like an
1: you, you describe have an something yeah, on if your Instagram, uncle plays yeah, or,
3: and, or something that you have. it, but it can be, it can be something that you're good at, right? It doesn't right. have to be something I said, some stuff that might not yeah. be so positive, but it can be a positive thing, like it can be really about like you Im- embody the time in your playing and your music, and you know, and the get will let you let you in to do mm-hmm. what you do. So, you know, that's uh, that's one way, but. You know, but again, for everybody else, you can just skip them and go straight to the sources of the people, and the people judge. And you can you can do one of the other. So, you know, that's a good thing. Back in the day, you only have one way. Well, now we talked about
1: ways. about the strange way that the people who the custodians of jazz and fusion in the 70s. Mm-hmm were very successful in the free market when you had like you know people like Zappa too, but like you know Weather Report, uh, even though these people did you know Weather Report were on labels, they still played massive concerts for people, and their money was from selling tickets and records. Right, right. right. Uh, but the transition that started happening to jazz when jazz started kind of its decline in the 60s, mm-hmm. you know, and through the 70s and 80s and 90s. I think what you really see is they, they stopped believing in the success of the style in the free market and started trying to model the business structure after classical
3: music. Jazz became right. a museum piece, so, so that's how Fusion got out too, because you know, when you put something in under, under the glass in a museum, you can't really let it develop. You have to really box it in a, in a certain way. So they said, all right, all that stuff is jazz. Mm-hmm. Everything that got out of this tree is not jazz anymore. There's mm. something
1: inevitable about once you subsidize something, it will inevitably start decaying,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Very sure. quickly, and uh, you see it in, in in any walk of life. And what happened in the '80s uh, was that the fusion people started chasing the public money unsuccessfully. Mm. They wanted fusion to be subsidized in the same way that you know, kind of straight-ahead jazz became like the Marsalis kind of thing that swallowed up jazz it's like a heritage kind of vibe sure. they wanted to tap into that kind of money but they couldn't because the jazz people didn't accept them and people didn't treat that kind of music with the same kind of uh, you know museumy uh, reverence that you right. need to but okay. they also lost the people
3: yeah because they yeah they did it people terribly. Too. yeah it's like you see all the biggest jazz acts it's like we you Never know. been to yeah, like Laredo. We, yeah, we, uh, I'm not even talking about like the fact what we play, which we would play in every state, like in Idaho and Montana, like you know multiple markets. We did ten markets now in uh, Texas, and we did more. So we did. I can count at least fourteen markets in Texas that right. we played, including Laredo, Halenjan, um what's the name, Colman, right, El Paso, you know Amarillo. So we, you we know, d- some people say
1: some people we heard in private conversation, some fusion legends call some states flyover states, which is insane to me because it's like to me, a flyover state for us has over 20 markets.
0: I, yeah, I think you, you made this point on a different podcast and I think you said, don't be an elitist asshole. Just yeah. play for people that want to hear you. Well,
3: if you think what I'm saying, I'm not even talking about the small markets. If you look at the biggest jazz acts, like mm. I'm just, without knowing, let's say Aldi right? Without knowing, how many times do you think Aldi Miola played in, uh, I don't know, in Dallas? In his career, in Dallas, oh, okay. like 40 years? Like, I don't know, like 10 times? Right. right? Maybe not even, 7 times? And then it's like the biggest city, like, not the, biggest, the biggest city, city in, but one of the biggest areas in the States, right? Because right. you sure. have Houston, but if you look at Dallas, fourth wall, it's like it's even bigger, right. I'm pretty sure. So, mm-hmm. and it's like those people barely touched this area. And I'm not talking about the biggest I'm not talking about Boise or you know again or like
1: billing's montana or yeah i mean and there's a, there's something about there's something counterintuitive too about like you know how a st- you don't oversaturate a market you you do oversaturate your audience mm-hmm. but you create the market you mm-hmm. know it's like this kind of music if it's not present people just don't get into it right. so you know and and this is the thing for us which is so weird we, in our interaction with venues, mm. right? Because even yesterday we played in Austin and we could see that, you know, there was a band that played in what they call the Marvin After Party, right? They played after us. But, uh, But their audience was very different than our audience. Our audience pretty much cleared the room. Some of them stayed for their show, but they drew their own audience. And you could see that there's a real disparity and their audience is what you would expect, like young people, people that are into snarky poppy, music students, music scene kind of people. Our audience is eclectic. We have hippies, we have bikers, we have metalheads, we have like people coming. So we're not, nobody passed us a torch. Right, you know what I mean. We created a market for our music, and I think the only guy I can think of that did something similar to that was Zappa. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, because even even Weather Report or Ma Vishnu were still, even though they were creating a market because of the you know the place and time they were with the '70s and what was happening in rock and roll and Zappa and all that, they still were handed the Miles Davis thing. They were Mm -hmm. all offshoots of the Miles Davis band. You know so
0: yeah cool um so uh on that point um i think if i was talking to you via facebook um you're not releasing your um album to streaming platforms the new not one yet. you're just keeping it on Bandcamp. yeah for a while you know and we had a, I think i commented something about um if if you don't put it on the streaming platforms you kind of have more of a difficulty getting you know, getting the exposure, let's say. Because you've got so much
3: I love that word. I, I mean yeah, me yeah the, you can't pay people with <laughs> no, exposure, just but no, it's just because he loves to expose himself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um I mean what's your take on like keeping it on Bandcamp while it's fresh and then
3: Okay, so I think you can't fight it. So I can I feel like you can't fight technology at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Um, and Spotify is just, it's too good for the user, I think.
2: Yeah. There's a balance. Sure.
3: People mm-hmm. just get used to things so quickly, and they're so lazy about looking for stuff. Mm-hmm. That, like we have people that, you know, that couldn't find us on Spotify. Well, let
0: me crazy. ask you a question. What do you, what's your definition of a fan? Um, well, someone who supports you financially. Okay.
1: Right. So, and and super super fan, I guess. Well, okay. So, but if, but, but then, then again, there's Spotify raises a really interesting question with that Mm -hmm. definition. Does support you 0.0007 count? Right. Right. So, well, seven would be like listening to the whole album, right? So, I mean, that's like at what point, uh, like, again, it's, it, Listen, at the end of the day, it's funny because some people came at us with the angle of like, you should do this, you shouldn't do this for money, which is crazy, because, you know, we're like a fusion band, obviously. The, the,
3: The problem with the you shouldn't do it for money angle, which we get, more than you would think, yeah. right? Is that what people don't understand that the only way to be a great musician is to play all the time, and the only way to play all the time is that when you're playing,
1: you have to be you're successful. making enough money That's a Leonard, to, to keep playing. Leonard Cohen quote: "So in music, survive, success is, survival is success. Right? Sure. And it's like you—you you got an infusion. You just got to be." You got to earn money. So uh, again, and this is not, not an apology. I think what we did was a trade off. Mm-hmm. And this is, and it's a very no matter what you choose, you're gonna feel bad because if you keep your music off the streaming services, you, you have that fear of missing out of all the exposure that mm-hmm. you might get, right? Uh, just of you know, you don't know. You're sending it into, yeah, into have, the world. Like we have twenty. Th-
3: I don't know why it's. Uh, it looks weird on our Spotify, but we have uh, we're getting it fixed now. But we have twenty, uh, a little bit over twenty thousand listeners, monthly listeners on mm-hmm. Spotify. Okay, okay. and it feels bad for us that we don't hear our
1: newest album, right? because right? that's our best thing that we've done, and, and we we're want proud of it, to it, hear and it. We worked it's hard on it. And we want, yeah, and we want that to be out there. At the same time, you know, we see our sales on Bandcamp. The people, you know, when you create the scarcity. You know, yeah, you know. It's
3: more than a skill even I
1: want the people that are willing to spend money
3: on us to get an additional value when they can. And for me to get the album six months before all the other people it's an additional yeah, it's value about, that yeah. I that I'm giving the people that that really support us in making sure. our life possible. Sure. You but know? I mean
1: I don't know. Listen to listen to albums, listen to the amount of of uh, like you know, people should understand the, the amount that they're spending Mm-hmm. on an album t- translates directly to the quality of recording to Shopping. the you know time spent in studios like, you know no but, like i get i get that like you know people don't want to pay like ten dollars an album i i listen i i listen to spotify too um yeah but you listen to ninety nine point
3: nine 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 percent dead people
1: that's true uh, I, would, I would probably there's probably a few more nines in there uh, but uh, yeah but who's going to pay for their grandkids you know
0: right? uh, I, I mean my, my thought process is I like what you're doing in terms of the model because like you said it's a scarcity thing and if if people are that driven to like your music and they're not just casual they will go and you know stream on Bandcamp or go buy the album um, and I personally like like I don't buy albums anymore because I don't like the plastic. Mm-hmm. You know, but when when an artist Jesus Christ and environmentalists are coming after absolutely. us, absolutely. Jesus. But, but but here's the thing, if if a, if a if an artist releases something that's like you know, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Fastfinger, but he has oh. um, he, he puts out tab and he gives out um, picks and, and, there, and there's a hand drawn art and there's just something else rather than just this plastic box and yeah. it has more value than for every
1: album you don't buy. I'm going to burn a plastic bag and spray <laughs> deodorant into directly into the. No, box. no, but
3: you know, but you can also buy you can also buy digitally. So exactly. You yeah. buy digitally. But
0: my, my thing is when when there's something extra so it, maybe it's sure. a maybe it's a a bonus, couple of bonus tracks you can't get on, and it never will be on streaming. Sure. This is just something extra that you yeah. Can there's offer. a
1: way there, you have ways of increasing value. I mean, we're not going to start getting into arts and crafts because right. that would be a no, that's preference. not us. Yeah. That's but but you know, and we're really we have a
0: lot of
3: good double notes. Like we have yeah. great
1: shirts. We have uh, mm-hmm. yeah. very soft.
3: Yeah. We have <laughs> we have the uh, softest shirts. You know, we have like a book of our, of our music transcriptions. Which if you wanna, yeah, if you okay. want to play our music. Right. So what else do we have? Uh, vinyl? We have
1: vinyl, yeah, and uh, when we did, we did like the VIP, we called it the VIP pack, which was kind of like a bundle for the pre-sale of the album, okay. and we sold like a shirt that was just limited edition to those people with mm-hmm. like a design they and it's great, you see them at shows, we know like who our real fans are, you know, and uh, and then uh, the CD kind of sent ahead of time. and. Um, the book with all the Marvin Strikes Back reprinted. Like oh, my also loved it the way. Oh, the Marvin Strikes yeah, Back. Yeah, yeah. Musicians, well, you know, it's
0: kind of like the people that are like in the falling down yeah, mode. I know. <laughs> they but... connect to that energy. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the uh, the trolls basically,
1: right? Yeah, the
0: Marvin Strikes Back. When you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I never. I, I thrive on negative attention. I always have. So for me, it was always like. Energizing, but and mm-hmm. in, in the beginning, the first couple of times we did, it, we got we really. Spiraled. We actually
3: we, a lot of no, we didn't spar. No, first couple of times. Oh, well, somebody said we hey, got a dime bag. No, 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 no. You okay? So the first time, we felt like when we just started, and it's like we had the videos just came out, and we would send people our music, and we would actually convert oh, no. a bunch of people. That's how we started, mm-hmm. right? Like, and then after a while, they were like. Why, are we, Why are we doing it to this idiot? Right. It's like it's just some idiot with seeing it. It's like we're going to hear our music, it's fine. Yeah, it's we, fine. We don't care. And then Danny started so, well, no, no. no. The
1: first couple of times I, there was a back and forth and mm-hmm. I started spiraling with them like on an internet fight and that always gets ugly, you know? Um, and then I was like, wait a second, I can just take a screenshot, stop the conversation and put it there, whatever yeah. I want. That's like, the, it's like I'm holding the microphone here right so and then it just became hilarious it was great, yeah. Yeah. yeah i've
0: been following it since number one it's, yeah. it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it is pretty entertaining thank you um, um but
3: it's also because we don't like other bands get really offended but it's like some ideas
1: on online not gonna convince me and danny that we can't play instruments
0: right
3: you oh, know
1: what, can, can i do like a disclaimer if you're listening to like a lot of people are inspired by marvin strikes back and like tag us in it and you know, you got you to gotta really make sure that you understand the vibe. Like, yeah. some people you get really be, you, you
3: can't be mad. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, internet, the internet is a law, but it, if you have an argument
1: on the internet and... The person the who person gets was, mad, lost. Yeah, lost. yeah. So you always
0: have to be, it has to be in good spirit. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so I just watched the More music video where you were talking about your picking technique. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like the way you, you, you kind of deconstruct everything you're doing, it's a similar approach I use to my students. Mm-hmm. Um, does that kind of deconstructing everything and, and figuring out the very small steps translate to your business? Or yeah, not? I mean, I think that's just,
1: it's it's being very uh, logical, mm-hmm. you know, try, or t- trying to be very logical, trying to understand, I think it's kind of a common theme and thread and like uh, what we do musically and and anything else, like what Danny said about common sense, right? Mm-hmm. I d- We've definitely met a lot of musicians, some of them great musicians, you know, that are great in spite of the way they think, not because of it, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not always clear and a lot of people that romanticize, you know, romanticize things about technique about whatever like setup, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of people like manage to get a great sound out of their setups in spite of a lot of strange things they do. They reach balance, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like like Danny always talks about like the how hard reeds are, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, and I know like you know some great guitar players who have a lot of t- tone suck in one end of the rig and then they compensate in another, but at the end they find something that works for them. Sure. Um, so, yeah, but for me, I mean that that whole, the way I think is very very organized, mm-hmm. you know, tends to be, but uh, all, almost always in hindsight, okay, in retrospect, I can sure. I can come you know understand what I'm doing. Like when you when you actually are trying something new, it's all a mess. That's, yeah, uh, you know, I think huge problem people have. You. Uh,
3: they can't be honest with themselves. Mm-hmm. They can't see the situation they really are in, and the good and the bad. It's like you know the movie, that uh, it's a side note, but the movie that uh, Ricky Gervais did a few years ago about like the invention of lying.
0: Yeah. Okay. And he I saw it, and so I was like,
3: this guy just think that telling the truth has been a dick, but it's it's not like that. You have a negative aspect in the world that when you are truthful, you see but there are also positive aspects in the world. And then, you know, it's like, being told not just being a dick. And the thing is with people, they can't look at their situation and really evaluate it. So, you know, if you get, if you start getting older and the gatekeepers didn't let you in, right? You didn't get called by a record label. You didn't get in. It's not going, and you're not making money. Then, okay, it's not happening for you either quit or go on the other route and get the people if you think you have something that's really worthwhile, mm-hmm. right? And then you should also ask yourself if you have something worthwhile. And if you think you do, then either get it to the people or, you don't know, get it to... gate. No, I mean, a lot of but,
1: people...
3: But, but they keep knocking and it's like we are not gonna let you in. It's like, how many people did we see yeah. that are still hoping, like in New York, New York is the like the queen city of it. Yeah. It's like that you keep... New York, LA. Oh, I met somebody that's the cousin of somebody from Sony, or, you know, this guy came to our show, and it's uh, this agent, and it's always we are talking about doing big
1: things with people,
3: and it never addicted, happens. Addicted
1: to potentiality, but never willing to face what's actually happening in their lives and in, the, in you know, their so career. We,
3: we always try to put ourselves in a situation were a good thing that's another thing, it's a different thing, but good things can happen, mm-hmm. right? So that's why we play a lot of shows because when you play a lot of shows, people see you, you get better, you get to do a thing you love, which is playing music, right? So that's already a plus because you're doing what you want to do, and then people get to see you, and then once in a while, you know, it adds up and you, and you get a good opportunity, which is just what happened to us again and again, mm-hmm. you know, like people. You know, people don't get it. I sometimes get emails from like these bigger festivals or, or bigger opportunities, that uh, you know, that we don't even know that I've been emailing them for ten years. <laughs> you understand know what I'm saying? It's like we never look at my emails. Yeah. But when they email me and offer me things, because because that's we how keep, it happens. I we mean, keep doing things.
1: Yeah, right. that, that's the thing with uh, with a lot of people that we see. I mean, I think fundamentally, a lot of people come to us for like. Business advice, you know, DIY kind of stuff. There's a certain sacrifice, or a certain mm-hmm. life that you gotta live. That's that has to do with doing what we do, mm-hmm. bringing the music to the people, getting the people. And it starts very humbly, and it's and it's still. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well,
3: let's see how many people come out tonight. You know, I'm sure yeah. it's gonna be good, but let's see. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but you know we're, we we're having we're having great tours now, but and we we have for a few years, mm-hmm. you know. But our first, how long since it? then?
3: So we really we had a leap in two thousand seventeen.
1: Yeah, two thousand seventeen, we were already in a different place. But I just I remember like I remember our conversation very vividly when we were start when we were doing okay on weekends and horrible on weekdays, and we're like. We couldn't understand how the entire band could earn five hundred dollars a day. Yeah, we were we, like, we, we
3: were thinking we, about it. We, we were like, in our know, best weekends, we make five hundred bucks a day.
1: How do you make that every day? And like it's on a just, Monday and a
3: mm-hmm. Tuesday and Wednesday, like and every week, and it's, you know, it's nothing. It's right. really not a lot right. of money. Yeah. But how many bands do you know that can pass that stage of five
1: hundred bucks a day? Right, and in two thousand fifteen, we we're just talking about like that was like, it seemed so far away. It might have well has been the end game. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, yeah, it's our situation, just obviously. Like, you know, we yeah. kept well, improving, right? Yeah, we were saying we're gonna stuff. keep
3: doing it, and as long as we go forward, it's fine. And you know, when something will happen, if we keep putting ourselves in good situations, when everybody's happy, when the venue is happy, when you know the music sounds good, and we're gonna worry about that until something, you know, some yeah. things will happen. We don't know why also, and what, but something will yeah, happen. Yeah, but
1: I mean, I think just meeting people, you know, other bands in similar styles, mm-hmm. uh, people are not willing to to work the amount that we work. Like they, we never, how was the last time we had a day off on the road, 2014? Years ago, years ago. Yeah, yeah something like that. We never have a day but off. But when you say day
3: off, it means like we had a day, tour- like, on like 30 days and one of the days off. Like yeah. we don't have a show.
1: Yeah, so when we were on the road, we are playing seven nights a week. We are playing every single night. Sometimes more than once we, and sometimes we have clinics. We like have, tomorrow we're gonna teach a clinic in the morning. Yeah, and it's fine, you know, and and like doesn't matter. And we've always had this kind of mentality too about like doesn't matter, like even when we're sleeping on floors, It's like freezing, and like you know, it's all this shit. It's like you close your eyes, you go to sleep, you wake up, you leave. It's like whatever, whatever kind of physical thing, hungry, cold, whatever. It's it's gonna pass. It's fine, Mm -hmm. you know. I think important
3: business advice to people, and it's life advice generally, is you have you can't have Plan B. Because you can't just go. People think they, if they can manage their life in a way that we're gonna have to make that we could make no sacrifices. It's Like we can tour once or twice a year in the band that they love the most, and also play wedding gigs and make money, and also teach and wear and do that and that this and family, that and this and do another family you know? and do everything together. You cannot do everything you whatever you make in life you're going to sacrifice something else mm-hmm. i was just talking to a friend of my a friend of my wife who was talking about uh, the pressure of being like a, of being a mother and working and how you can you do it without one suffering it's like there's no thing in life that you do one thing and something else doesn't suffer right, you have it's only 24 us. hours a day you know mm-hmm. and whatever you're going to do you're not gonna do something else. That's so true. if we're on the road right now, we can't have a great uh, wedding band in Chicago sure. that's never available for, to play, right? right? And if somebody wants to get us all the time to work, people are not gonna get us because we're not reliable. Because if I have a Marvin thing, I would do up anything else in a second, sure. right? You know, it's, like, it's just, that's life. And But if you're staying home, you know, and you're doing every a little bit of everything. You will never be in a band like Marvin. You will never put the hours in playing your music in front of people to get it to get it as good as it needs to get. Yeah, you know, and sure. it, it just it doesn't work. I'm sorry for all the people at home. I'm sorry. You cannot, like you know, you cannot be as you know as good as you wanna be if you don't if you are just in the practice room. It just doesn't work like that. No, for
1: sure. No, and also it's like you know people that play all the time it has, it's like you know with people mm-hmm. like in front of with people in front of people it's a whole it's a whole other animal you see it you see it like you know
3: the music says, it, like Austin yesterday when mm-hmm. we went to service people we saw Ben before our show our fans took us out for some drinks and we saw this band it's
1: clear it's like it's just it's just that extra it's that thing that people come to see sure. you know what i mean like you could you could be the potential but to make that potential crystallize, that's just experience, you know? And, yeah. and whatever style you're in. Just... What,
3: what kind of carpenter makes one, two chairs a year? Exactly. Yeah.
0: For sure. Yeah. Um, so going to what you said about, you know, sleeping on the floor, waking up, um, how much of the getting in the zone as a musician and playing um, kind of heals you? Because obviously, you when, you, when you're playing music, you get into, get into that quote-unquote zone in the right side of your brain and you're leaving time and logic behind kind sure. of but yeah actually, before can I
3: say one more thing, about the last thing? Go ahead. so what's the now the most important thing about that advice is that if the sacrifice that you're making is too much is not for you you will discover it and you your brain will be free to go and do something else Right? So if you go touring and you're away from home and you're sleeping on the floors and you hate it, mm-hmm. then you're gonna know it's not for you. Yeah. And yeah. you're gonna go on with your life. Peace. But yeah. if you do we'll a peace. little bit of everything, you will never make the right sacrifice to do anything well and you're gonna get to your older age and you
1: don't understand where your life went. Yeah, that's awesome. that's how that's a source of like remorse and regret about like your choices. Yeah. Yeah, Thank yeah. You yeah but um, yeah, so what, what, about about the zone uh, there is there is a zone you know uh, but the psychological like danger the mm-hmm. hubris is to assume that you know what that is as a listener and definitely as a player because once you decide where you need to go that's the place you will go every time right mm-hmm. and I you, I, see, I saw it in music school it was like a caricature like people that went to the zone, you know, because they saw how the zone the looked Colton on Coltrane, style. you know, and they like were like, like, you don't see the internal process of anybody, you Absolutely. just see their face, you know, and their sweat, and their <laughs> eyes closed, so I just remember saxophone players especially, they were just blowing so hard, they were hyperventilating, and then the zone was just them being dizzy, you know, no, but you had a good you generation. had a good point
3: about it. I don't remember like a few days, like a um, couple of weeks ago, you oh. were talking about the ACs. The what? ACs. ACs. You just told me about it. You don't remember? Yeah. I because, okay. I talk, he, all, I talk all the time. All right, so Dan was saying he had a good idea. He said, "You know, you see all
1: those jet people in oh, the but oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 because I was like, that was, that was the thing. I was watching." Uh, like, you no, know, it was Campbell, but then I also saw Stevie Ray Vaughan playing, like, with Albus King, and they're all sweating their fucking ass off. Like, and I never sweat like that. And I'm just looking, and it's like, man, they're like producing this intensity, you know, and just sweating. And it's like, why don't I sweat? And that was like thinking, This is like 1978. It's just fucking hot. Like, it didn't have ACs and they're playing under a spotlight that's probably like a blowtorch. And it's, their gigs just fucking suck, dude.
3: Like, thank God I'm not sweating. Can you imagine how shitty you'd play? It's like, I, I like sometimes when it's hot when you play out no, that you know. hot, yeah, not that like hot yeah. like somebody
1: puts a blowjob not every
3: day up, like wearing short or sweat like yeah, you know, it's like
2: streaming down your chin or but, like, but see sucks.
3: that's but see that's a perfect explanation to what other people would explain as uh you know Passion. like you've been possessed you yeah. know
1: oh yeah and <laughs>
3: it's just and it's obviously an obviously true explanation. yeah of
1: course it's true They're it's like summertime and they're outside or they're like in some <laughs> albert hall with like. Twenty thousand people and fans? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ceiling fans. It's like horrible, dude. Like now every place has an awesome AC. Cold, most yeah. Cold most places are freezing. So so yeah, the, what I'm saying about the zone, I just try to play my best. Mm-hmm. And I and I try to keep I, I try to keep a like an open mind to the experience, to the experience of mm-hmm. playing. You know what I mean? It's like sure. I, there's no spot I try to get to, because I know from experience that in periods of my life where I was trying to get to this spot, I got there, but it's like, you just don't know. It's just like, you know, improvising, right? It's like, you know, scales, mm-hmm. you, you know, most people probably know, that they're a musician, know a pentatonic scale, know some rhythm. Some people aren't even aware of subdivision, so they just think they're improvising. Then you become aware that like there's a language to time. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay now I'm playing triplets, I'm playing eighth notes, oh I'm switching between them, oh I'm playing a few scales. It's like, the, if you knew what a good solo was experientially, back when you had so little musical vocabulary, you just assume that that's the size of the game. But the truth is that the deeper your knowledge gets, the deeper your vocabulary gets, the deeper your, your control gets, the experience opens up. So there's always another game inside the game. There's Absolutely. always um, there's always like a deeper stage to it. So the only times it stops is when you assume you know exactly mm-hmm. what game you're playing. Sure. You know,
3: we're very conscious thing of the music. So we really, for when I when we play, we focus on the music that we're making and less thinking about... You need to
1: have songs. Yeah, about mm. how it's
3: perceived. You but then, when you improvise, you're thinking about the solo, you listen to yourself, you're going with, you know, uh, you're thinking about
1: the music, you're not thinking about like, Sure. I gotta get to... Ah. I heard Tommy Emanuel answer this very obvious point, but like he just answered it very simply and very deeply, and I thought I thought that was a very good thing, because they asked him like, what? because he plays all the time, like, you know, I don't know, 270-280 gigs a year Uh, and they ask them like what do you do on your off nights? Like when you're feeling off and you're playing something like that, it's like you lean on the song, Mm. you know? Because if you have good songs, they'll carry you through the show. If If the show is just you're playing or something and you're playing standards, God help you. You know, it's like when you're not feeling it. I can't even imagine how bad that feels. Mm. But you know, for us, like we play songs, we try that we like. They're always we try to, you know, only keep them in rotation for about a year. Okay. You know, and then make an album. Like today, you're not going to hear a single song from Strong Thing. We're we're on to the next thing. You know, and that's Mm. how we get better at playing. And eventually, that will become the next album. You know. And, uh, and it's interesting for us, and the, the songs keep changing, mm-hmm. right? It's like now, like yesterday we played one of the songs, like the, the whole harmonic structure behind the guitar solo was something that I've tried and I didn't like, and today we came up with something else. So it's changing, it, it's kind of like a liquid structure, and mm-hmm. then like, you know, it gets fixed with time, and people that come to the shows get to see okay. the process yeah, okay. of it forming.
0: So. Um, if you don't mind uh, talking about the business structure of the band um, the, these two guys have been in the band for quite some time now But before um, it's it, it seems like it's always been you guys band with other musicians um, So how do you manage band agreements for instance? Well, John been with us for four
3: years and mm-hmm. I worked for a little over a year Okay Yeah
0: Okay, I thought it was longer than that but yeah, but like so if you don't mind sharing, what you know, how how you manage being, you know, let's say you're, you you two are the boss of the band or the band leaders, yes. which is it seems to be the case. Like, um, how do you manage your band agreements with other musicians? What do you mean agreements? Like, do you have a band agreement yes. between yeah. the
3: two of you? Oh, between the two of us. And then, with well, we musicians? just split 50, everything fifty-fifty. Okay. Right. And then, uh, and we have a given musician we hire, about how much we pay them and what the terms are for everything, and what we expect, and they tell us what they expect, and uh, it's a negotiation, like you know, like between any any people that work together.
1: Yeah. And uh, but everything is very clear, right? Okay. I mean, I think it's probably I, I never joined our band, but I'm guessing it's a big shock in mm-hmm. the beginning. Just not not because it's too terrible, but it's very it's a very specific lifestyle, sure. and it's unlike. A lifestyle that you would imagine coming out of music school, right? It's like there's we're in the car lot, we drive, we eat at certain times, you know. We go to the venue at certain times. We get coffee. We sit at the coffee place for hours, sending emails, whatever, you know. So there's kind of, I would guess that the process that just you learn as you go, like what what the uh, days the day to day looks like.
3: We don't say things we don't mean to. So it's like the way. We pay what we say we're gonna pay. We never shorted anybody. We never, and we were never like done with a two and something happened like a van bowl because that, that definitely happened. But we were like, hey, we can't pay this week. We're gonna pay you in a week. Never happened, right? Um, we don't let that happen. So, in that case, you
1: know, cause we assume, me and Danny assume like 100% of the risk, yeah. Okay, so basically, and we did from day one, too. yeah.
0: So, basically, it's, it's all about clarity and being. You know upfront. In, oh,
3: absolutely! Yeah, you no, have to.
0: There's no
1: room for like dishonesty. For
3: sure. Well, it's not gonna work out, and yeah. it's like you can't tell somebody, "Hey, we're gonna stay in a five star hotel every day," and when you know we're gonna go to Motel Six or to stay <laughs> on the floor, Quite we're not gonna be happy. People don't, you know, people don't like surprises like that. We like good surprises, but I hate <laughs> bad surprises are well, you know story. so. You're honest about what's going on. People know more or less what we are signing up for. And then there is negotiation towards, you know, where time progresses. Like, you know, where you get to know each other. Negotiation, I mean, like, you know, relationship with every people. Yeah. So I know something will piss piss him off, so I'll do it less.
1: You know, and (laughs) the other way around. It's just the way it is between between people. And in terms of uh, the music, you know, it's like me and Danny write the songs, but they have the freedom, to do things that we like, like to, to mm-hmm. be inside the aesthetic. And we're open to you suggestions. Know,
3: it's like like last night they wanted to do We after we show last night we we they both offered to do basis well offered to do a different set today. We want to change the order and we're like, okay, let's try it. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. Let's try today. So we're gonna do a different set
1: today. Yeah. And uh yeah, so there's there's room for ideas that make sense for us I mean, I guess sometimes we're stubborn about like for me, if I know if I know I don't like something, I've, I'm not very open to trying it. For you sure. know, uh, but if I'm like, yeah, maybe it it might work. Then yeah, know. but it's, no,
3: we don't. Me, we don't have this ego of like we need only our ideas to come through. We do with our songs, right? with that, also keep, that also keeps it very simple in a lot of other things. Yeah, right? There are a lot of ways in why we do that.
1: As a sideman, I'll, I'll say that I don't feel stifled. I absolutely feel like I have the ability to put all of myself in the music, explore extended techniques, and mm-hmm. when I do have an idea for a part, I know you guys always listen to the suggestion, and some of those suggestions have made it into the music,
3: and some haven't. Yeah, this yeah. is very well, and but again, the same with us. Me and Danny have ideas. We say that yeah. sometimes we like it,
1: sometimes we don't. Yeah, and also, and me
3: and Dan negotiate about that stuff all there, the time. There's, there's
1: also the I think there's very clear for me at least. It's always clear that the first idea is not always the best idea. It tends, it, a lot of times, it is, you know, because it's coming from someplace real, but like. But even eighty yeah. percent. Yeah, it's like so. It's like you okay. So you chip away at it and you kind of make it the best thing it can be, and that's the point. But we have had people in the band whose aesthetics and ours were just different, and then it's a real bummer, you know. And that that can't work because, to them, subjectively, their ideas are. Good, mm-hmm. and they keep offering similar kinds of ideas. I don't remember how we
3: call this diagram, but you know, you have like circles that uh, overlap. Overlap. Yeah. So, what's when every time somebody joins the band, I give them the same speech about you know how we need to find, we need to find where we overlap. So and they can have a lot of stuff they like that we don't, and it's going to happen. Sure. But they need to find a place where we're happy and they're happy.
1: Well, only stuff that's inside our aesthetic is going to make it into our music. Like, mm-hmm. uh, me and Danny are both, it's no secret, we're no hip-hop fans. It's going to be hard, a hard sell to throw some deep hip-hop influence. But, but again, but the
3: circle is big. So as long yeah. as you do something that fits in our circle, we're okay, you can do whatever yeah. you want. But it needs to, it needs to fit yeah. in. You're going to
1: have to find a way to sell it. Right, right you know like not not verbally musically like sure. it needs to really work especially but, like the more outside of what we're what we like kind of in a general stylistic way it is the more it needs to really work right absolutely. so yeah
2: yeah
3: um you know i have another thing well so you're saying about how you know how we manage the band so what's another important thing and I think a lot of women should hear this, Not to be gen- to gender as too much, right? But uh, just knowing a lot of my uh, wife's friends, and there is this idea in relationship that everything has to be the burdens of life have to be divided uh, equally between between the sufferers, <laughs> between the you know between the people. So you know, I would hear a lot of uh, my wife's friends complain that her husbands don't do enough. Okay? Mm-hmm. But, and then on the music side, the equivalent the music side would be a lot of bands try to divide responsibility in an equal way. So I book fe- like the first four months of the year, and then you book the second four months of the year, and basically book the third, like, you know, four months of the year, and, um, and it's it's stupid to do that. And if you look at any any company, mm-hmm. you know, the cleaning the cleaning uh, the cleaning person doesn't do half the coding in Apple. You know what All I'm right. saying? Everybody does what is good at. Mm-hmm. And that's you should do that in relationships, and you should do it with with uh, with a band. You know, if you're stronger than your wife, then you should carry the heavy things. Right? If she's more meticulous, she might want to, you know, tidy up. tidy up, So it's like that's, that's just the way it is, and it's the same with the band. Some people are just not good in booking, and there's a lot that goes into booking. And some people, you know, are not good in the marketing. And some people, it's, it's some people, you know, drive like assholes. So it's like you, you can't, but it, you know, but it's a real thing. And and, and yes, it's not gonna be even because some jobs are objectively harder than other jobs. But if you're gonna be a, an yeah. upsetty Betty about you doing a little bit more work, cause you somehow have, you know, cause you, you know, even natural or, you know, you were born like that to learn to do it better than an, another person, then you just you're not gonna get far. You know, everybody does what they're good at, and you shouldn't be resentful to people that that are not as good at at what you do. You just need to find what they are good at. And and you know, make sure that we're doing the most that they can do in yeah. the band that they can do.
1: Yeah. With that being said, a lot of people are not good at anything.
3: Yeah, this is also fine.
1: Yeah, but uh, no, uh, that's that that wasn't just being an asshole. That's that's advice for bands. If you have somebody in your band or something that can't manage any responsibility, but you like how we play, like or how they write play, music, that's, fine. that's what they do, right? Yeah. That's that's. All that's what they do they, they, you don't need to like delegate
0: yeah until
3: they find something we can do that's fine yeah,
1: that,
0: that's totally that is okay. it is. That's, that's a really good piece of advice um, so I, I like to towards the end I like to start asking like big questions sure um, what significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you
1: uh, for me the thing, first thing that pops to mind in a time where I was much more sensitive I was uh Rejected by Jam Track Central, I remember Mm -hmm. that. That was a huge blow for my ego. Right Mm -hmm. around around the time when we put out the third set, um, yeah, two thousand fourteen, and uh, they like one of the one of the people in that company. They make like this before. It's it's like they kind of got less relevant now with YouTube uh, being what it is. But um, but they
3: saw videos. Yeah, they saw our
1: our live videos and Guthrie Govan was like a huge guy for them and like mm-hmm. you know they released very successful youtube videos where basically the concept of the company was that you know they offered transcriptions right. of these solos over backing tracks mm-hmm. and they made me do it and then they started trying to basically produce my playing mm-hmm. and they were like you need to play like more controlled more more uh, marketable like you know and I was just I was just like so you know I was listening they to it. Terrible, like, huh?
3: terrible, like, they gave me terrible like terrible like they gave you terrible advice like yeah. no, not to mention that it wouldn't work
1: but yeah so it's like it got cool. me in this mental. you know I was just improvising over these hard rock tracks that they sent me and I was just playing the way I played and then you know they weren't interested in somebody improvising that was, mm-hmm. that was the truth they were, int- they were int- and now I can see it very clearly they are interested in somebody giving licks that people would want to buy and learn at home. So it was just, you would have, I guess, I guess you'd have to be the kind of player that's connected to what's cool to play on guitar in 2014, and like, you know, tapping stuff, and like, just the, but the right, I don't know. I I don't know, like, you know. uh, I'm obviously not the guy, but for me it was like a huge blow, and the conclusion, which was correct was, to, I mean, I'm sorry to be blunt, but not to suck the devil's cock and just to, to double down on playing the way I play because I knew, I knew I played well. I knew mm-hmm. that my you know the way I soloed and the way I improvised got to a, like got to a place and it was like the way I actually liked to play music. Sure. And to take that, it was very tempting to start. You know, listening to like people whose playing I don't like, you know, Mm -hmm. and kind of extrapolate a logic out of it and try to design lines that. And then I was just like, and I feel like that was a real split between making music and doing the thing that would become Instagram guitar playing a few years later, which I don't like very much. Mm -hmm. How about you?
3: Negative experience. I would say the worst thing for me in this band was like every time we had to change a lineup,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: it's just, you know, you're so close to the people you're with and it sometimes gets to really bad places, you know, and it's like no matter how professional you are and how honest you are about things, people tell themselves stories that are not true while they don't see the whole picture and uh, it never ends well. Mm. I would say that. Um, it's like breakups. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, and again, it's no. It really doesn't matter what the objective reality is. It's the, the subjective reality would always be that we were assholes.
1: You know. Well, no, there's there's a there's an emotional reality, you know, and, and that's and it's Well, like you so said, I, like your
3: ex-girlfriend will never be like, oh, this, this
1: is the best guy ever. Right. Know? It's exactly that. But 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 you know, uh, in our band. And I will say this, with 100% certainty, we ignore and probably make fun of the emotional reality most of the time, you know. So it's not, we're, we're really not one of those bands which is like, you know, you know, how are you feeling, like, you know, tell me about it. Uh...
3: from day one, where well, we barely made any money, okay, Let's barely made any money from day mm-hmm. one, we, me and Danny definitely didn't, we yeah. barely survived, We would good it goes, but um, but when we were surviving, no, almost no one make money. We paid what we could, our musician, what we could. So, the good thing in our band was that you were part of something. So, first of all, you have like, it's like, you know, like we say about the tribe, you have a tribe, you're hanging out with people all day long, and you like it or not like it, it's good for you. It's good for people to be around people. But you're making music that me and Danny believe in so much and you know I think that the people who are with us also believed in it that you're doing something that nobody's doing, you're doing something new, you're doing something special and you can see it in the reaction of the audience. And you're making a real change in people's life. And it it even in the beginning where we sometimes played like for one person, for the bartender, you know, when you make somebody like Light up and you know, like, want to buy your stuff and want to start listening, you'll change your life. And you know, to be a part of it, it's a very strong thing, it's exciting, so it's, it's exciting and meaningful. It's meaningful, it's meaningful. meaningful. yeah, yeah know, it's, it's an important thing. I really so, believe in music, is important. So, that's it. what we gave people from day one. That was the currency, yeah. And then, but once you know, the reality science, sometimes you know, you get used to wherever you are. So, if you get used to it too much and you start taking that for granted. But then you start focusing about, well, we're not making a lot of money, we don't have a lot of great conditions, and uh, why are other people more successful? You know, maybe me and Danny need to write music that's more danceable. It's like, why well, maybe our solos or we play too fast? I don't know. When you start focusing about on stuff like that and you forget the good stuff, it's like, well, there's a lot of bad stuff that comes out. So it really got bad with some of, uh, of the lineups, and I think later in life we learned how to cut it quicker you know, and not get into those places, Yeah. Um, you know, but I think it's a lesson you have to learn and when you're young it's, it's, it's just tough because you're there for the first time and even if you'll do your best, you know, you're, not, you're always going to make mistakes no matter what and, uh, you know, but, but you know, that's the way it, it happened and I think at the end of the day it, it worked out and we can't be that bad, like, Jones, has been with us for over four years and our lineup before that, like, uh, two up before that, we've also been with us for four years, you know cool. So I think at the end of the day we all, you know, we, we we're pretty good. And and as long as we like the music, and as long as we feel like you care about the music, and you do your best to play the music well, then me and Daniel, I feel like very very nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do one more question. Okay. Um, flipping it around, what's what's the biggest positive experience that have pushed, has pushed you on to like follow this as a career? Um, I don't
1: know if there was one positive experience I think you gotta see it as uh, as many victories and as a trajectory sure. you know so I think um, I mean there's been many many good experiences it's the but overall I would say it's the life we want to live mm-hmm. you
3: know I think well you know we had those videos that we made we we, are, we were playing a show in Dallas and Mark Lietti opened for us here and it was like really like empty show. I think we had like six, seven, eight, nine, ten people maybe in the audience. Wow. And the guy that made a video of Swanky Papi saw us. You it was like, you guys are amazing, and Andy, right? Andy Lavares. Yeah, it was like you guys are amazing. You guys have to have videos. You have to have like nice videos because people want to hear them. And we couldn't afford walking with Andy. Andy is amazing, I wish we could afford it, but we couldn't afford walking with him time. So we did a cheap version of our songs and the joke was that people hear the album and we just don't deliver it, we play like that. So we went to a studio without monitors, without headphones, with no separation, I could not hear, nobody could hear saxophone really. And we were just like in a room recording it. And we posted it in Danny's house and by the time I got home we had over like 200 shows I think, which for back in the day insane. was insane for us, like insane for us. And those videos just started taking off, you know, and then we we always believed it's going to happen, but that's after those videos, it was like, okay,
1: there is yeah, no, it was, clear. it was clear. it's African chap, Red Red Line. Redline. Yeah.
0: Redline's li- Red the one that got me into the mirror. Yeah, so it's like, well, we after those videos,
3: one. it was like, before it was obvious, basically to us, to my wife, and maybe to our moms. Right? And after those videos, it was like, it was really, it was a proof for us that thing is working. It was the first time... something
1: about what we do can appeal. And also it was the first
3: time where we could make fans not playing in front of them. Because we we made, like, we sold over 10,000 records by then just playing in dive bars to people, you know, and made fans and people are talking about us. There was a buzz about us. That's the people that originally shared all this stuff. But it was the first time where we put something out that we were like, we're making fans being at home and making our shows bigger. And that's, that really helped us make finish the transition between playing, because we were just transitioning then, uh, finish the transition between playing bars and free shows to people to play in ticketed shows, which is all we do now. So but I think that was uh, that was a huge thing. But like Danny said, it was a great experience from day one. Like we loved going out and
1: playing. Yeah, the, the, With the first like five years were not a nightmare. They were the best time ever. It was ever. so exciting.
3: You go to a new state or a new city. New city
1: every night, a place we haven't been to. Amazing. It was amazing. It was cool. Even yeah. now it's cool. Like we yeah, just went it. to the
3: L- and Laredo. Dude, Laredo was such a trip. It was you know, it's great. It's fun. Even, you know, a bit older and we saw so many things. And with John, we went to Colombia for the first time. I wasn't what's bad. It was yeah, the best, awesome. like best time of my life, man. Colombia was great, or we, do, we did Cruise to the Edge last year. We're doing it again this year.
0: So yeah, oh, it's, that's actually
1: this,
0: yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a good life. Cool. Now we're going to have to wrap up, because obviously the first band's on. Uh, where can people find your music?
1: The best place to go is marvinmusic.bandcamp.com. The second place second place to go is facebook.com slash marvinmusic. And for tour dates, it's bandsintown.com slash marvin.
3: But if you, yeah, the best thing to do if you want to see us live is like our Facebook page and we try to do our best to update yeah. where, where
0: we play. Yeah, if you like it, we can get to you. Cool. And then uh, at the end of the, if it's okay, I, I like to play a song from the band I'm interviewing. What song would you like me to play? Play Alabama sock, no, party. Alabama
1: sock
0: Party. Oh, I have to ask. What's the meaning behind it? There has to be a story. Well, yes, I might request. It's so I long.
1: Yeah. It's, nah. Maybe another time. Nah, yeah. it's we about, we're going to hear different stories. Yeah. On the, uh... it's, about, it's about a hippie trying to force, him, force us we'll
0: to us. We love it, guys. We love it, guys. It's all good. Okay. So. Well, I really appreciate it, you play. taking time. <laughs> and, uh, thank you so much. Thanks once again for listening. I really hope you both enjoyed it and got a ton of great information out of it. Make sure you visit musiconyourownterms.com because I've recently launched an entirely brand new website. As before, you'll find show notes to every episode, links to all the band's websites and music, and you can also sign up to the newsletter so you can keep in the loop with everything going on with the podcast. The new things I've added is a web store, where you can purchase merch to support the podcast. And also there's a section for charity shirts that I'm going to be updating in the coming months. As I said in episode 35, I'll be supporting three charities that are extremely important to me. Stay tuned for these updates. As well as the web store, I've also set up a Patreon account. So if you feel like you want to help me with the cost of this podcast... I'd really, really appreciate it if you'd at least go check out that Patreon account. Finally, it would be really stellar if you could leave a review on iTunes because this is one of the main ways that people can find out about the podcast and it can grow to a wider audience and thereby I can help more people with the business side of music, mindset and obviously mental health. As always, keep pushing the needle. And be excellent to each other. Playing us out, this is Marbin with Alabama Sock Party.